Small disclaimer, Marco Royce extended his contract until 2023 after we recorded, which means we're going to celebrate that next week. So 226 of the Yellow Pods. I'm Stefan Butzko, your host for this episode, and I'm joined by Abel Mescheros, who you may know from Talking Football or the Bundesliga Fanatic. Hello, Abel. How are you doing? Yeah, hi, Stefan. I'm excited to be on the show, but a little, a little bit of a sort of dour mood after last night's events in, in Dortmund against Salzburg. Yeah, my mood is mostly tiredness, to be honest, um, because I also opted to watch 76ers lose against the Miami Heat. Ah. Terrible. Well, you- um, you did it to yourself there, so... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there, there were closer games. Anyway, um, this episode will be uh, sponsored by Derek Tracy, who pledged a couple of bucks on Patreon. I'm sorry, Derek, that uh, it's not going to be a very cheerful episode, but I guess that's uh, true for the most part these days. Um, yes, a 2-1 loss against Salzburg, and um, if there was any encouragement from the 1-1 draw against Leipzig and the team fighting and, and whatnot and you actually think how oh, well they are maybe they understood now what, what what's to do um Salzburg was a very sombering I guess moment where everyone could see that uh, getting your hopes up for this team is a terrible mistake I think I was the idiot who predicted a comfortable 3-0 win by Dortmund um I don't even know what to say other than I'm sorry if I got anyone's hopes up for this game and added to the disappointment. I apologize. <laughs> it shall not happen again, I hope. Yeah, it was sorry. It was uh it was interesting for me because I was I was listening to you guys while I was in the gym and and I I nearly kind of fell off the treadmill when I when I heard you guys say that it'll be like three nothing for Dortmund uh though I you know I I have to say like I wouldn't wouldn't have, like I didn't expect uh this obviously, although I, I did expect a, a close game, um, but certainly surprising and disappointing. Well, you see, I I knew that Salzburg are capable of of playing a coherent style of football and um, that uh, they can harm Dortmund. But I just assumed that Dortmund, for once, would really get their potential on the on the ground. And uh, if they do, usually a side like Salzburg, however organized they are. Uh, it's not going to be enough for them, but uh, obviously I was terribly, terribly wrong. Um, people who go on your Twitter account, which is at BundesPL, will see a series of cr- screenshots um, where you highlight tactical mistakes and individual errors. Um, and I think you stopped like after a half hour because no <laughs> one has so much time to go even further than that. But um, Abel, in, in general... First things first, do you think this is really the sort of game where we saw that there on the one side was a team that had a clear concept and footballing idea and every player knew what to do and on the other side there just wasn't and uh, that's currently the biggest problem for Dortmund. Do you think that's what it is? 
Uh, yeah, I mean that would be that would be like a quick quick summary of it. I mean, you know, I think the the hardest part for for Dortmund fans is going to be sort of you know this this idea that we that we discussed before is is, is Stuttgart sort of riding the ship, and and that's that narrative is is becoming increasingly harder to support after you know performances like this, and and I think as Dortmund sort of gets into the the meat of the schedule, the the part that got uh, Peter Bosch in trouble, um, I think you're going to see more more of the same. Um, and it's that, that sort of narrative is going to be harder and harder to, to defend. Um, and not to mention also that, you know, um, so it's like, you know, we haven't had the aesthetically pleasing Dortmund for, for weeks now, I would say, but then the results were there. And now, you know, you're starting to see some of those results, uh, slip away and, and, you know, very, very little creativity, um, in terms of the attack and then, um, all kinds of defensive problems. I mean, um, I'm happy to, to go through them with you, but, uh, you know, we don't want to spend too much time on it, I guess. Yeah, but uh, let's just address it a little bit. Um, okay. Because, I mean, yes, it's it's utterly repetitive, but it's not our fault that Dortmund are making the same mistakes over and over again. So, um, you know, if you just want to listen to the next episode in like three weeks, you will still hear the same content most likely. But um, there you go. Um, if if we look at the uh, what was it the the second minute, <laughs> yeah. we 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 basically what we see is that um, Leipzig have the ball and uh, everything seems under control. Um, Julian Weigel, of course, not as close by his marker as he's supposed to be, just because uh, he physically just isn't there right now. And uh, yeah, Julian Weigel is has has developed a habit of being completely. And utterly too late at every given time just because he's too slow. Um, and maybe, I don't know, doesn't anticipate quickly enough. But um, still, there's a Salzburg player making a run forward. And, uh, you know, at, at this moment, there's nothing that could, you know, go wrong. And then Socrates moves forward because he's trying to, I don't know, get the ball in the opposing half from another player who's <laughs> 10 meters away. And uh, with that, he opens the entire space in behind. Uh, Toprak is not centrally. He's trying to, I think, track a run from another Salzburg winger. And um, the play obviously broke down for, for Salzburg. But nevertheless, I think already after two minutes, we saw the main issue of Borussia Dortmund's backline. That's players like Socrates, for example, just make decisions that are atrocious and severe and will be punished by any good side in football be it Salzburg or even better and which is why when we look forward to the uh, quote-unquote tougher fixtures you know I'm not feeling all that positive uh, but um, is that something you see actually being fixed uh, at some point this season or do you think uh, that's just what we have to deal with I mean like you you would have to say no just because like this is the stuff that shouldn't be happening in the second minute right I mean this is when you come out of the gates and you're you're organized like you you presumably have a defensive plan which which I would guess include not playing this high I mean this reminded me of like you know some of the bad Peter Bush games like I guess kind of the the Frankfurt game or the Hanover game I think probably the more uh, per pertinent example here and I think. You know, Weigel, I counted, I think, four times in the first uh, 20 minutes where he basically was just like no in no man's land where he wasn't close to the tackle. And then he, you know, compounded it by, by failing to track his, his runner. I think in this case, it's Berisha is the one who's making the run who ended up scoring both of the goals. But then, you know, 
there also doesn't seem to be uh, the greatest lines of communication uh, between Toprak and Socrates because I think clearly the, the, the plan under Stoger is not to press that high. I think we've established that. So, so Toprak, I think in that case is doing his job to, to, ha- to hang back. And then, um, if Weigel just follows his, his marker, then I think they, they have it covered. Or if, or if Socrates just, just picks up that marker, uh, and, you know, maybe Castro, uh, at the bottom of the screen sort of helps out. But, but it doesn't seem to be that way. And, and it, and, and it seemed like Socrates, who has a tendency of jumping into tackles and, you know, maybe lacks the sort of defensive intelligence, uh, um, and, you know, people like him for being a warrior, but but that's definitely a knock on him. And you know, Toprak, I think everybody agreed was probably the worst defender. But 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 it's hard to like you know, it's hard to pin it all on him. I mean, I know he's made the blatant errors, and I'm not you know excusing that. But but sometimes you know these are like I think these are the errors that are that are much um, more systemic. Like you know, um, committing a penalty like like Toprak did or whatever. Like you can you can sort of excuse those but 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 these are systemic errors that that, that I think are going to be much much harder to to fix and and um I don't know how much we can blame Peter Stuger for this because I presume he didn't he didn't tell the guys okay look like we're going to defend on you know on the opponent's midfield line or, or a past midfield line and just have like you know acres of space behind us I I presume that was not the plan so it's hard to pin that on him and it, it has to be on the players I mean um what Weigel has done uh, I think Castro defensively um, although I think he, he, he went forward quite well and completed the most dribbles on the team. Um, there are so many times where he was, again, leaving his, his flank exposed and, and, and not being able to make a challenge. Uh, it's just, it's, do you it's, know it's why that is? Shocking. I mean, uh, do you know why that is? Um, because he's not no, a right back. <laughs> that's, yeah, well, yeah, that's no, I mean, I, yeah, okay. I mean, I, obviously, that was like a trick question, but you know, there's a lot of like pointing. I think I have a tweet there on the fifth minute where um, I think it's Berisha again who's, who's making these runs, and Royce is pointing at him, and you know, and and um, you know, Weigel is sort of again like nowhere, nowhere near the picture. Um, Schmelzer um, had a tendency to get caught up the pitch. I mean, he's noticeably absent in a lot of these picks uh, as well. Um, we, we, we covered sort of, I think, counter-pressing. You, you guys have talked a lot about this with Constantine. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's another glaring example from the 12th minute where, um, a couple guys, I think it's like Royce and, and, and Castro are like near the corner flag. And, um, Schlager, who, who I really was impressed with for, for, for Red Bull, we can actually call them Red Bull, uh, Salzburg. Um, he, he just, you know, calmly plays the ball out because there's, there's like a 20 yards place between, you know, Weigel and, and Dahoud and Bachuai who are nowhere near. And it's like, that, that's not a counter press. That's, that's just guys who are, you know, playing as individuals. And I think that's probably, you know, I think as much as I sort of excuse Peter Stöger, you know, I think giving people too much individual freedom, which, which I think is, is a valid criticism because, um, you tend to have that on, on the offensive side of the, the ball with, with, with sort of the, 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 the players that he has, but also, you know, the, the relying on them to, to win games, just, just individual skill. You maybe see the, the flip side of it on, on, on defense or, or, or in pressing where you can't just do it when you feel like it, right? Like you have to do it as a unit. Otherwise it's, it's, it's really poorly executed. Um, that so, is a very valid point to make. And I would actually add that the same counts with the possession play because the freedom, as you may call it, actually gives the player a chance to do nothing. That's also part of being free, I guess. And, um, Peter Stöger yesterday 
basically criticized the lack of movement of his front four and um, something we call Freilaufverhalten in German, basically the, the behavior to be constantly on the move and, and to basically move into a space where you can receive a pass and then do something with it. This is something that is absolutely elemental in attacking football in possession football or any football whatsoever when you want to combine or not just build something com from coincidence, a lucky deflection, but actually create something for yourself. And this is something that I find shockingly atrocious at the moment. I feel like when one of our defensive midfielders like Weigel or Dahoud or whoever, if, if any Dortmund player has the ball and, and looks up, they just basically see a still painting instead of a, a, a fluid team that, yeah, is still life, exactly. In, instead of having, uh, you know, teammates that actually want to have the ball and uh, everyone is just basically putting the responsibility to someone else. And this, to me, is, is, is a massive problem because you will never have any sort of combination play if it's going on like that. And uh, when even Peter Stöger <laughs> starts to criticize that, you, you know, it's it's not going well for you. And, um, you know, obviously now I'm, I'm going to the very top tier there is. But when you watch Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, what they do ever so well and any Guardiola side really is that Players are willing to move just three meters to the left, to the right, to the front or, or behind, whatever, at any given moment when they are close to the ball, just to open a passing lane, just to be constant on the move because movement always creates space. There's just that that's that's a given because your counter player, your opponent, he only has to react and there's always the split second or whatever where you just get away from him by by moving. And this is not happening for Dortmund right now and it's Annoying because when Peter Sugar, I think he he described the uh, time between the, the the 15 minutes where Dortmund looked sort of formidable and then the time where they tried to get back into the game, like in the last 15 minutes or whatever. He called it idling, basically. He he said Leerlauf. Basically, there's just nothing happening. There is no intent to create chances, and I agree in so far with him that if no one has the intention to actually receive the ball or to move into a space where you can do that constantly, um, yeah, Dortmund will not attack. And from the outside, I think this will then look like, um, you know, to, to the fans in the stadium, it, it will just look like the team doesn't want to play football or others will say the team doesn't know how to. And to me, the, the question really is, is this down to the players not willing not being willing to make those movements and just being lazy and thinking, oh, well, we are good enough. We have so much quality. It's just going to happen by itself, as, as Stöger pointed to last night at the press conference. Or is it that they just don't know how to? That yeah, could, could also be because I, I think this is something that needs constant reminding on the training ground or, or wherever that you just tell your players, okay, you need to pass the ball into the left foot or the right foot of player A or player B and you got to move here and you got to move there and you got to move there you know that you just constantly remind those players what they have to do and sometimes I just feel like no one really knows what to do and that's I don't know that's my opinion but maybe they're just lazy how do you see that Abel? Yeah 
it's it's a little bit of both. I, I think because you need to have structure for 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 players to to thrive in. I think uh, you know Salzburg are actually a nice example of the things that you mentioned that that Dortmund didn't do is you know sort of extra runs off the ball or sort of extra you know sprints. I mean, there's there's so many beautiful examples of of that game if you you know if you enjoy that side of the football. I mean, I I realize it's probably not as beautiful for for, for us Dortmund fans, but you know if you were watching the game as a neutral, I thought that was a that was a fascinating game just in terms of you know like like the right backs line. Liner was was making a lot of nice off the ball runs. I mean, Berisha we we mentioned, um, you know, uh, Haidara. There, there's a lot of guys who who you know, and and all of that 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 comes down to coaching. Like you know, that doesn't like you don't need to be a great player to to make extra runs. You just need to have structure and you need to have it explained to you why you're doing that. And and you know, obviously, I think um, football players just like just like people in general, if they're not motivated, if they're not being told what to do and just think like, okay, I can get away with this because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a world champion or, you know, I'm a, I'm a German international or, oh, we can just beat these guys on the counter. And, you know, so, so I think there, there is definitely a mix of both in terms of Stöger, maybe get, getting the, play, letting the players get away with too much. And they also, like we mentioned before, not having a time to, to implant the system, to, to put in a system in which, you know, there's, there's, um, people that are held accountable. Um, you know, um, we, we mentioned Schurle, I think, before, but, uh, you know, like Marco Royce, I thought was, was, was really poor last night. I think he ended up losing the ball 15 times. I would, I would, you know, have to go back and look at when the last time that was happened, that happened. Um, I think Gutze played, you know, just several of those like record scratch passes. Like you, you, you watch, you watch the NBA, you know what that means when like, you know, just the attack just breaks down. Uh, Dahoud, I think was, uh, really poor with, uh, you know, how long he takes on the ball. And then, you know, how, how many just poor turnovers we had. Yeah, uh, exactly. We, but this is exactly what I mean. When Dahoud looks up, he just sees no movement. This is yeah. just too freaking long. He just, he has shown that he can have ideas, but only when things yeah. are moving in front of him. So he, he oh, can right. play the pass into a pocket or so. But but you're right. And, and you know, Stöger has a point when he says, you know, the explanation is that there are so many stories in this team going on. There are players that lack self-confidence. There are players that just came back from injuries and played a lot. I think Marco Reus and Mario Götze were the perfect example for the, the latter reasoning last night because Götze just also looked absolutely deflated. You could just see yeah. there was a complete lack of dynam dynamism and uh, lack of focus. Uh, you know, when he tried to beat his opponent in a take-on, it just wouldn't co come off, you know. At best, he would be just pushed away from the ball and draw a foul, but not really, you know, create yeah. anything. At, and uh, I would be very surprised to see him again in the starting lineup on, on Sunday because, you know, a, a lot of guys just look completely flat right now i think the same we can say for michi batruai who um mm. oh yeah you know when 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 the first you know ball was played to him you know it just bounced away from him like on the trampoline we saw in the very first games that you know it was the, the ball was just glued to his foot and i think that's just that that's just based on on the freshness and and having the focus in the game you know just knowing how to weigh the ball i, I think sometimes that's those little details, whether the ball bounces away from you or whether it sticks to your foot is, is just, you know, how aware you are at any given moment. And if you have played you yeah. know, so many more minutes than you did all season before, I think that has an impact. But, uh, you know, Stuka also doesn't trust Alexander Isak or so in, in this situation to, uh, you know, rotate into the team to give his star striker, quote unquote, a little breather which you know in, in theory would be absolutely necessary 
Yeah, I mean, I think Jason, uh, who's at Gelb the Cartoon, who's been on, Jason Rose has been on this podcast, has made a, made a, made a good point on this. On the, there's a Frankfurt podcast and they're previewing the game. And he mentioned this, how, you know, Bachuai was really thriving when he was playing on instinct. And, and now that he's got to be more a part of the team concept and, you know, making, making those kind of runs that, that are presumably, you know, practiced in training, he, he, he looks a lot more lost. And, you know, I thought there was a, there's a situation in the first half where, where Goodsa and Schmelzer just ran into each other on, on sort of a, a through ball, which, which I don't know how that happens. I mean, that, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be happening in like March, right? I mean, no. those are things you, you're okay with in like, you know, um, I guess like July or something, but, um, there's, um, surely I've, you know, I've long criticized for his touches. I mean, there's, there's several times where like, he gets the ball and then no pressure and the ball bounces eight yards from him. Like those are the things that's like, you can't put that on sugar because like, that's just how he is, you know? So, so you, and I think you're right about the context and, you know, I think, um, people do need to understand that, you know, yeah, there are names in the team sheets, but, but these are players who are either coming back from injury or haven't played. And, and, you know, like we, we, we talked about all the front, front five guys. I mean, none of those guys have played regularly over, over the last year, really. And, you know, I guess other than, than Goetze, who's, who's been in and out as well. So it's, 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 it's also like, you know, we, we shouldn't forget that. And I'm not saying that as an excuse, but, you know, it, 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 it is something that, that you have to, that have to think about. And then, and I think, you know, Dahoud, I think, falls into this category. Um, Weigel is, is in his own problem as well. But there was other ones where, you know, um, Schmelzer, for example, what, what he did before the second, second goal, like those are things you shouldn't terrible, to, terrible. To, 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 to your captain. And right. this, this is what I absolutely hate about how things are reported right now and how, how questions are phrased in the mixed zone and I actually have to criticize myself a little bit there because I'm a little bit part of the problem um, because at, last night Master Schmetzer obviously came out to talk to reporters and um, you know I asked him a, a different question about whether um, you know it's a problem for the players that they had like three coaches in, in three different years and you know are confronted with so many different ideas that Dortmund right now don't really have one and basically I compared it to Salzburg's who really showed how, how well it can be but you know everyone asked Marcel Schmelzer whether this was a foul because he got checked like into the uh, Salzburg bench <laughs> oh, okay. I think it was after after his atrocious pass but um Yes, maybe it was a foul. Maybe you can blow the whistle on, on the play. But um, I think even if it wasn't a foul, the goal still would have went in as it did just because um, the pass was so atrocious. He was completely isolated on, on the left and he tried to, I think, thread it to like a, a small pocket between two Salzburg players to, I don't even know who... who uh, it's Dahoud, I think. Who, who, yeah, Dahoud, I think it was. And, um, and yeah, the ball was intercepted as you could have predicted from that situation and Salzburg completely anticipated that. You could already see before Schmelzer played the pass that players in in white shirts were starting their runs and they more or less knew what zones to, to go into. And what they perfectly did, and it's something that happened so many times, Dortmund, that Basically, the, the the front two attackers or whatever just move toward the goal, and every Dortmund player doesn't even matter how many there are; they all just move on the same line, you know, almost on one line with Roman Bürki, and the entire space in behind that. So this is is completely left open. So whenever there's a cutback, then you know a a player, and this time it was Berisha, can just you know count the alphabet 
back and forth three times <laughs> before picking out the the shot. And you know, at this point, at the tunnel, you could just see how easy it was for for yeah. Salzburg to to create this chance and I don't even think it, it really matters whether Schmelzer got fouled or not I, I just don't think it, it matters and yeah. and I should have asked him about why he plays such a torrid pass and whether you know Dortmund are lacking footballing quality overall because it's clearly what they're doing in this moment yeah I enjoyed the I think it was a Castro who was trying to do like the, the hockey uh, hockey defenseman save on the on that the Berisha shot where like he just threw himself like you know he was like maybe 10 yards away and he tried to block it somehow <laughs> had no chance at it that, that that was a that was a funny moment but yeah I mean you know these are again like um, we're talking about sort of the, the veteran players of Dortmund who, who, you know, all of them, I think, you know, pretty much failed in, in, in this game, um, fairly spectacularly. And yeah, I mean, it, it's easy to, to scapegoat Toprak, I think, who, 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 did, who, who didn't play well, but I think other guys should be getting the criticism and Schmelzer, uh, you know, Goethe, Royce, Schurle, I mean, all those guys, Bacuayi as, as well. I mean, I, I, it's, it's like hard to say, like, would you say like Christian Pulisic was maybe the only, only, uh, Dortmund player who didn't completely disappoint him on this night? Yeah, that's a fair assessment, I think. But, uh, you know, so, so it's like, the, 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 and it's like he's been, he's been not great as, as you guys have talked about before. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's really tough right now because, you know, you're going to face teams like this down, down, down the road, right? I mean, the Bundesliga is, is full of, you know, like, like, you know, all the credit to, to Salzburg for, for, for what they did. But, um, I think a lot of this is just, you know, there's, there's a blueprint against Dortmund and, and it seems like, you know, especially, um, Stöger, like, obviously is never going to have as many ideas as others before him. And, you know, it's up to the individuals. And I think Lars was the one who pointed this out in, in the Leipzig game. But, but, you know, athletically, um, Dortmund are, 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 are like probably undermatched in a lot of these scenarios. Like, I, I, I got, I had that feeling. I want to ask you if you, know, you were in a stadium. Like, did you feel that way, um, against Salzburg that, that they just seem to have like better athletes? Salzburg or Dortmund? Um, no, I would say it's Salzburg because, like, I, as, I like I think Lars mentioned this in the Leipzig game, and you know, um, I definitely felt like, for example, for me, like Goethe um, looked like he was he was pretty slow. Uh, you know, Schmelzer, I think, was okay, but uh, no, you no, know, Schürrle. Yeah, so. last last night I talked to speak before we recorded the pod uh-huh. uh, because we're both more or less complaining about the lack of pace in, in this Dortmund team. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think that has just to do with with the age. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for Schmelzer. For example, he's 30 years old. The same can be said for Lucas Piszczek. For example, you know, the fullbacks just just lost a step. And yeah, Julian Weigel, I already mentioned him. Um, He is Mr. Step Too Late 2018 because um, he's lacking the pace and and his defensive runs are atrocious. And um, yeah, the same could be said about Chayne. Gonzalo Castro is also not... uh, track and field runner Mario Götze last night definitely lacks dynamism and then uh, then you have yeah Andre Schöle you have Michi Bajuai you have Marco Reus uh, Pulisic and, and Philipp those are the players I would say actually you know can play with s- certain dynamic and everyone else is sort of meh and yeah Manuel Akanji I think as, as a defender has a lot of pace and Socrates also isn't the slowest but otherwise, um, yeah, they are often either outmuscled because other teams have put more emphasis on, on strength in midfield. And I think that's a theme we will talk about in, in a minute when we talk about Frankfurt. Because Dortmund 
at some point just looked for players that are maybe not the most physical but are very good ball players because they at some point realized okay we need to shift from uh, underdog football to possession football and then you know the entire scouting and, and the entire strategy of how you build a team changes but right now Dortmund just lost this identity they're not a fo the possession based side anymore and Peter Stöger today was asked well Mr. Stöger why do you think um, Dortmund's home record is so poor in comparison to their away record and he basically said yeah well um, teams set up more defensively against us at the Westfalen Stadion and that more or less is, is another way of saying we cannot play possession football anymore we cannot create something on, on our own when our when our opponent is just sitting back and this is terrible for Dortmund because right now they they have a team sort of that's supposed to play possession football but doesn't and uh, is very susceptible to anything other and uh, you know if if you just ping the ball long and and hope to win the second balls you need to have ball winners in your team maybe Sebastian Rode right now would be a better <laughs> solution I don't know but you know where I'm getting at Julian Weigel right now is not the sort of player that wins you balls and and can do something with it so yeah it's it's just Yeah, and it's like this okay. idea that like you, you mentioned before where, where like, you know, Weigel I think was called out by, by Batske when, when the famous sort of Winnie the ball winning midfielder and like ever since then he's been like putting up these, these, these matches where he has like 10 and 12 tackle attempts, but that's not what you want. Like that's, that's like, that's a, complete waste of Julian Weigel's time. I mean, you know, if you want somebody to, to have like 12 tackles, then yeah, yeah, put in Sebastian Rode and then, you know, go with that, obviously. But, um, you know, you need to play to, to your player's strength, right? And, and you know, like, I, I agree with you completely about this identity where, you know, if you want to play this possession heavy style, then, then you need to need to have a coach in, in, in that system. Or if you want to have sort of the, the counterattacking style, then, then you need to have those kind of players. But right now it's like, it's, it's a bit of neither, right? Yeah. That's exactly what it is, and which is why we're seeing Dortmund struggle so badly, also individually, because the players do not fit what the team is playing, but the coaches feel that this is the sort of football that they have to play right now to get the best results. And, uh, you know, the Dortmund Spire suggests that uh, at some point even the results will go missing, and then we uh, will hear again from the players that they are licking, uh, licking, that they are lacking <laughs> self-confidence. <laughs> And uh, without self-confidence, they can't play well. And this is then just, you know, another downward spiral. And, um, you know, also just a broken record because we had the same development uh, the, in the first half of the season. I think we're slowly but surely coming to the same point now. And this is now the stretch of the season where opponents will be better. And that brings us to the Eintracht match. But before we talk about that we'll quickly hear from Christian Pulisic very quickly uh, picked up an assist but afterwards uh, you were still trailing but uh, there were hardly any chances created why was that uh, yeah I mean they were a good opponent and uh, we started well but then uh, didn't went through kind of a bad phase there uh, I tried to bring on some energy but uh, in the end it just wasn't enough to, to tie it up and try to get the winners uh, people on TV saw Marcel Schmitzer loudly complaining at the throw that uh, The positioning wasn't correct, the players were too close. Was that the theme of the entire game, that uh, Salzburg were just much better in their positioning than Dortmund today? 
I mean, we're going to look at, you know, the video again and we're going to decide, you know, what, what we can do better and, and look at, uh, yeah, I guess the small things we can improve on. So um, I'm going to have to look at the game one more time and we'll see. After the game in Leipzig, the coach praised your aggressiveness against Leipzig. Uh, today, it seemed that it wasn't on the same level. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I mean... We weren't uh, completely 100% uh, tuned into the game for the whole game, so we were just kind of we're we're in for parts of it, and that's not going to be enough against this team. We got to be ready to go for the full 90 minutes, and uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the same thing was also said after the Augsburg match. Uh, this Can you make the case basically that the team is consistency and it's, uh, next consistency and its attitude? Yeah, uh, it's something uh, we need to work on is, uh, you know, come out with that attitude, ready to play every single game. And uh, we have to be ready against whatever team we play. Uh, this is a very good opponent and we're going to have to be ready next week. Thank you. Thanks. Christian Pulisic there in the mix zone. And um, yeah, it doesn't all sound too positive. And uh, now on Sunday, Dortmund will play against Eintracht Frankfurt, who who are a direct competitor for Dortmund. I think they're in fourth place right now, right? Just yep. like when they win, are they ahead of Dortmund? I've, I don't know. Yeah, yeah there they um, are. It seems like we're level, level on points, yeah, right? Both on idea, 42 yeah. points, um, actually, now that I look at it. Um, if I look at, at Frankfurt, there is basically um, one statistic that always stands out because you know they're not great at having a lot of passes or playing possession football but um, their defensive touches are I think the second most in the Bundesliga and this sort of already describes quite well what sort of side Frankfurt are um, you wrote a more detailed piece on the Bundesliga Fnatic about them so um, before I talk more about Frankfurt I will just let you do the previewing now and, and tell me and the listeners what sort of side Frankfurt are what uh, you know they're doing well this season and why Makoto Hasebe is uh, I, I guess built up Libero if you want <laughs> yeah 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 it's the, the, the Libero of the, the 2010 decades sure no I mean they're They're, um, they're this kind of, uh, low scoring, you know, low volume, you know, they, they take, I think, 10 shots a game, so the third fewest in the league. Um, they, they commit the most fouls, most yellow cards, you know, um, counterattack a lot. Uh, they, they have pretty strong, I think they're like the fourth best counterattack, um, fourth strongest pressing. They play basically, um, a 3-5-2 almost exclusively. Uh, they played the longest passage, uh, on average with 21 meters. So, um, it's not very pretty. Uh, it's, it's a little bit to me, uh, a little bit similar to like, uh, Schalke if, if, you know, um, Tedesco didn't necessarily implement the, the, the possession play. Um, Frankfurt even have, um, you know, less of that possession play. Um, so basically in terms of their, their, the, the, their, their, their style, that, that's, that's what you would, that's what you would emphasize. It's, it's, you know, um, it varies who, which three they have in the back. I mean, Hasebe has, has been constant. David Abraham, who's, who's now returned from injury is, is almost likely to, to play. And then usually the third center back is, is, is Fallet, uh, Simon Fallet, uh, Frenchman who's, who's very, very adept at sort of, uh, interceptions. Uh, he's, he's among the league leaders and he's very physically strong and he can run with, uh, with most players. Um, those, these three very, rarely, rarely get forward. And in that way, I think it's similar to Schalke. And so as a result, it's, it's pretty hard hard to uh to score against them just because they always have numbers back so they they've, they've conceded um 
Obviously, the second fewest goals behind Bayern, and in terms of open play, they've only conceded 14, which is which is again the second fewest behind the 10 that that Bayern has. So they're very hard to to break break down because they they stay uh, fairly compact. They they don't press high necessarily with a lot of guys. They do press selectively, as as I've mentioned before. They 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 have um, pressing numbers that are that are on <laughs> par with with Leipzig and, and Hamburg. You, so. you, you know what's what what's funny uh, be, because um, this sort of worked. Ideally for them in in the in the previous game this season, obviously that was a was a moment where Dortmund lacked centre backs for yeah. some reason. Peter Bosch thought uh, Supertich and Weigel, right? Yeah, he he thought playing Weigel over Zagadou would make sense, uh, which in hindsight it didn't. And what happened in this match, um, you know, was a two-two draw, and it really could have gone either way because a Frankfurt had a lot of counter-attacking chances, and I think Alea himself mm -hmm. and, and Rebisch had just a couple bad touches otherwise they easily could have just scored four or five in this game and uh, in the end Nuri Shine I think missed the open net yeah. um, could have nicked the winner um, but you know if I think back to that game what I really do remember is that Dortmund uh, were pressed by like three or four players may maybe just three Who, who really advanced and everyone else of that Frankfurt side, like seven players or, or so, they all stayed relatively deep and Dortmund nevertheless were forced to play long balls because they just had no idea how to play around this. I don't even... <laughs> What, what do we call this kind of pressing? Because it's it's not even real pressing. It, it, it's just like a one one wave pressing, I guess. That's what we can call it. Um, yeah, it's it's very selective. I mean, I when when I've watched them live and, and in some other ways, it, it, it tends to be triggered by by sort of the the usual things like you know the the sort of um, horizontal pass between the center backs and and usually the first line of press is is, is like the three players that you mentioned. It's, it's almost always Alaire who's who's the furthest forward, and then Rebic who's the second striker and is probably one of the most athletic guys in the league. And then Marius Wolf is, is somebody who's who's really good at sort of uh, he's played at like right wing back. He, he's also sometimes played as like a number 10 he, he's, he's capable of playing a lot of positions and he's he's also really good at the pressing and then uh, what makes it even better is that um their 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 wing backs like Timmy Chandler they get forward a lot and, and they're able to finish off off these uh these 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 uh counterattacks or sometimes when they just win the ball back outright like I I was in Wolfsburg and, and I saw that's how they scored the one of their goals where, where you know they they basically just like trap you wide in the wings and then you know it's it's, it's a counterattack where like you know Wolfsburg or, or Dortmund for example can commit like five six guys to the attack and then it, it's it's almost typically uh, Hasebe or, or Mascare who um, is, is injured but they're the ones who usually start it and then it, it, it typically goes to either Wolf or Rebic um, who then either finish off the move or, you know, maybe find the, the fullback on, 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 on sort of the, the far post. I mean, that, that's, that's a very typical Frankfurt goal. I mean, I mentioned before how, how unlikely they are to, to do anything from, from open play or even like set pieces. I think they've only scored like, uh, um, four goals from corners. So, so they're, they're not going to beat you with that, but the, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they're actually, they're actually kind of vulnerable on their own, um, uh, to their set pieces because they, they've given up, uh, I think eight corner goals, which is, which is like the third most in the league. So surprising there, but, um, Really, uh, I would just, I would just, you know, uh, count on similar kind of man coverage that, that we mentioned, uh, in the, uh, in the Hinrunde, where, or in the, yeah, in the Hinrunde, when, when, when they basically just man marked, uh, you know, um, Shahin, I think it was, and, you know, I think that in this game, 
Weigel is going to get the same treatment. Probably, I would say, by, by, by Marius Wolf or, 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 or Rebic or some kind of... I mean, you, you, you said earlier that basically there's a blueprint out there yeah. for, mm-hmm. on, on how to beat Dortmund. And I would say, well, the first two things you have to do is, A, sort of mark Julian Weigel, although, um, you know, as I highlighted in this one Patreon video... Uh, he yeah. he sort of marks himself. <laughs> Mark himself out of the game, yeah. Um so <laughs> so that that's that's a problem right there. And um you know, I select the fullbacks because Dortmund mostly build up through their through their fullbacks with Weigel being out and uh, as 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 we saw with the uh, message matter being pressed against Salzburg uh, that can work like a charm and this is how Dortmund usually break down and, and then lack ideas and uh, to finish my my earlier thought, what really happened often in, in the uh, first game in the two two draws that Dortmund just ended up playing long balls, and Frankfurt are one of the most comfortable teams at just putting bringing them down to the ground. And I, as as you mentioned, I do remember Timothy Chandler. I think he got injured at some point in this game, but beforehand, you know, he just either received the ball or you know quickly you know, pass it along to, to another open centre-back or whatever, and then all it needed was usually a long ball or, or just a very vertical pass, and uh, Frankfurt had oceans of space to play into. And I fear that we will more or less see the same again, especially when you mentioned that Dortmund played Bosch-esque yet again, um, and... and against Salzburg that's something we haven't seen too too many times so far against uh, teams in, in 2018 under Peter Stöger but uh, it's sort of slowly creeping in and uh, yeah that's that's just not not good so you know after being overly cocky <laughs> and predicting a 3-0 win against Salzburg I'm just not really seeing Dortmund winning this obviously a win would be ginormous because you would actually beat a, a team that's a direct opponent for the Champions League spots but I, I, I just don't see it right now and um, yeah if this... if we look at the if we look at the home table Dortmund are in 10th right now 12 games 5 wins you know 4 draws 3 losses and if we look at the away table Dortmund are 2nd but also Frankfurt are 4th they have won half of their away games losing 3 so um you know, yeah, and they were they were second for for uh, they were second best for like a really yeah, long then, time. Then they lost away, yeah, three 0 away to Augsburg and and one yeah. away to Stuttgart, and you really have to hope it's going to be another stinker. But somehow I feel like um, that's not going to be the case because playing away to Dortmund usually fires up opposing players as well. And um, Marcel Schmetzer talked about this fact last night that Dortmund because they're so lackluster because they also lack the sort of worth sometimes that they just allow opponents to lose the respect for the Westfalen Stadion if that makes sense because I assume that sometimes players are impressed maybe especially in the first 15 minutes or so and if Dortmund then just basically yeah shift down a couple of gears you know opponents actually lose all their frightfulness and and whatnot and and just you know start feeling comfortable in in Dortmund's yard and so this is a very um yeah dangerous development because I think up until Dortmund lost 3-2 against Leipzig they had like a unbeaten record in the Bundesliga of what was it 41 42 43 games so you know this is right now yesterday was their sixth home loss of the season already 
So this is not not going good. And and to add to that, I I think um, the whole psychology behind teams losing respect <coughs> for the Westfalen Stadion is is amplified by the halftime break, because I think coaches of opponents remind their players, look boys, I know there are eighty thousand out there, or whatever, but. I feel like we have a chance today. They are not really playing well. We can get something from here. And I think getting something away in, in Dortmund is still something special. And this is why I feel like the first 15 minutes after halftime is usually why Dortmund looks so bad. Because the opponents are just even more fired up uh, than than they were in the first half. Because they feel even more like something is, is, is happening for them. And so this is why Dortmund usually use the plot and do not have an explanation for that. And at least this is this is my approach to that conundrum. Yeah, and I mean, I think like we've talked about Frankfurt a little bit, uh, but uh, I also want to, you know, kind of push back against that a little bit just in terms of, because like I wrote this in the piece as well, and they've, they've, under, they've overperformed a lot of their, you know, advanced numbers and, and things like that. Like, I think, I think they still, they still have, have not won a game by, by, I think maybe the Cone game was the first game that they won by uh, more than two goals. Um, but, and, and, you know, a lot of their games are like one nothing and two one. They're, they're, they're very good at that. Like, I, we, we mentioned their really good away record. So, um, they have like 22 points and the expected points are like 12 and a half. So, you know, there, there's, there's probably an element of luck there when you're 10 points over nearly, nearly double your uh, advanced stats there and um you know there's there, there's also uh a lot of their uh, like a lot of their offensive numbers are, are not not that spectacular but they've they've just been getting sort of the, the fortunate wins and uh you know one 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 person who has been in a bit of a slump is Sebastian Allaire like he was he was one of the the stars of the the um the Hinrunde and now um he scored i think in in the Wolfsburg match in in early January but but has been um pretty much shut out and, and not really put up any any expected goals numbers there either so so that that's a good for that's good for Dortmund uh, there's also um some talk that maybe he he won't start i mean you were at the press conference maybe you could uh, tell us about that but I heard that you know maybe Jovic and, and Rebic could start up top uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know you I, heard anything about that I, I, I haven't heard anything about uh, the Frankfurt press conference to be honest so oh okay all right no I just I, I mean what I saw from Twitter is that you know everybody's available but there's been some chatter you know on the internet about about uh, Alaire maybe maybe being being rested but you know he's, he's obviously a huge key for winning the challenges and, and, and being in, involved. I think he, he's still number one in the Bundesliga in, in the challenges involved. So he's definitely a focal point. It's just he's he's not been in great form lately. So that's that's, that's a plus for Dortmund. And, and I think another interesting development is, is the midfield of Frankfurt. And we, we mentioned how, you know, Mascare, who came back from an Achilles injury. Yeah, Ma- Mascare is actually out. And, that's, that's, yeah, that's the one that's thing I know. He's, he's out and uh, Boateng is back. In. Right. And he's out because like he came back and then played like six matches in like four weeks. And then, you know, after seven months out and then like they're shocked that he's injured. But uh, yeah, so um, and then lately they've they've they've, I think, also toned down on Boateng and, and Gacinovic, who, who, I, who I quite like because he's, he's a really good uh, runner and he can create up. And uh, last game, they actually had uh, Jonathan de Guzman and Justin Fernandez both play. So it'd be interesting to see if uh, 
Uh, I would suspect one of those will, will play, and um, that's probably that's probably okay for Dortmund because uh, you know neither of those guys are are, are, are the, they're kind of yeah. I mean, Fernandez is 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 is, is a tackling fouling machine, but uh, neither of those guys are, are super great at you know recycling possession or starting the attacks. So I, I would be I would be okay with those, but um, the wings I think would be the most important uh, area to to control and. Um, Danny da Costa is somebody who's been playing for Frankfurt, which, which is surprising because he could barely start for Ingolstadt a couple of years ago. And, and now he's come on. He got his first goal last weekend and was really good against Hanover. Um, so, so he might get a nod at right back. And, and then Chandler, who's been more of the, the left back, who, um, they used to have Jetro Williams there, but he's been, he basically has been kind of, uh, kicked out of the rotation, um, um, following a, a couple of bad, play, bad performances at the end of the, the Hinrunde. So, uh, I would expect, uh, Chandler at sort of left wing back and, and maybe Dacosta at right wing back or, or, or a Marius Wolf who, who can also play there. So I, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on some of the lineups for Dortmund or Frankfurt? How do you see that? Well, if we put the focus on Dortmund, I actually yeah, want sure. to see Götze and Royce to get a break. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree. That's certainly something that needs to happen. I hope that uh, Christian Pulisic gets a start because Dortmund just need more dy- dynamism. Uh, that I think that has been established now and uh, Pulisic looks like he has regained some freshness from uh, starting four games in a row on the bench. And um, Maximilian Philipp should be out there again if he is ready to start. Um, and uh, I don't know about Rafael Guerrero. He's not playing his, his best season, but... Uh, I, I think Dortmund just need to... I think they just need to try something else now after playing with uh, Schürrle, Götze, <laughs> Royce and Batroy so many games in a row. I think um, that opponents now have so much video footage that they can more yeah. or less prevent them from really unfolding. We saw it quite well with, with Götze and, and Royce who uh, were completely stifled by Salzburg. Batroy was hanging in the air more or less. And he had to drop really, really deep to receive the ball. And uh, that's that's not ideal. So Dortmund just need to, I guess, make person changes in personnel to make tactical adjustments because I just don't see tactical adjustments happen within three days yeah. uh, when you... I, I think, you know, this just has to come from individuals now that, uh, you know, certain passing angles and, and certain runs are just made in a different sort of manner that you can actually still surprise your opponent a little bit. And, uh, you know, Dortmund at least have the depth now. I think Jaden Sancho, for example, is, uh, has reported back to he's certainly a player that uh, can, yeah, surprise opponents and uh, I think he nearly set up the the winner in the uh, first game in that two two draw, and um, I hope he yeah, comes on at some point. So yeah, Dortmund just need to change a couple of things. But uh, the one thing I actually would leave the same is the double pivot with Weigel and uh, Dahoud because um, we have criticized we've criticized them for a lot of very good reasons and uh, Weigel is far from being his very best right now but there's just a lack of alternatives and you at some point just really need a partnership in midfield to build any sort of automatism and I think Dahoud and Weigel fit together quite well I uh, looked it up a couple of days ago Dahoud is actually the uh, the holding midfielder that has played the most passes to Weigel which I think yeah. is is important. It was forty seven or so, even though he has played less minutes 
than Shine and, and, and Castro. So um, this is something that I observed during the Leipzig game that something worked really well for Dortmund is that Dahoud won the ball and then played it immediately to Weigel, which means Weigel is in a much more advanced position, actually has time and space to do something with the ball because the opponent isn't fully organized um, because usually Weigel just receives the ball from one of the fullbacks or centerbacks and then already feels the pressure either there is actual pressure or he's just feeling it phantomly and plays the ball back and, and this is yeah atrocious for Weigel because more often than not he just needs to channel his inner Busquets and just turn around with the ball on his feet and you know move forward But so far, he's not doing that. So um, Dahoud actually, you know, with his qualities, can support Weigel to become a better player, which is something I do not see that uh, Shine or Castro are doing right now. So that's my on only reasoning. I know it's far from ideal, but uh, it's it's the best Dortmund can do right now, at least in, in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I support that that idea because just like you said, there's no alternatives. And um, in the back, I mean, I would you, I would expect Akanji, right, to to, yeah, to get in the lineup. Would you would you say like Toprak would would uh, be uh, well in line to get a break? Or, or yes, going going by the by Toprak, the way yeah. Stuger has been rotating, I think it's going to be uh, Akanji and uh, Socrates and uh, then Pischek and I guess Schmelzer again. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that makes the most sense. And um, what about sort of Bachuayi getting getting a break for for um, Maxi Philip as maybe the the sort of lone lone striker? Do you see that happening or not like against not not against not Frankfurt against, because against yeah, Frankfurt you need you, somebody, you, need, right. you need someone physical, especially right. if if you play a lot of long balls, you should have um, Bachuayi. Right. This is basically the, this game is the perfect example of a of a, of a game where Pierre Emerick Aubameyang would be completely and utterly useless. You know, <laughs> so, um, you know, Dortmund are actually lucky to have Bajroy now and have to hope that he can make a difference. So, um, yeah, this is at least in theory, actually it should be a, a good game for him and actually help Dortmund develop plays if he can hold up the ball, which isn't easy against Frankfurt, but certainly doable for a guy like him. So this is maybe one of the small hopes why Dortmund could perform better against Frankfurt than the last time around but we also mentioned a lot of reasons why it may not be but um, nevertheless um, you know I, I'll try to be hopeful I will predict a narrow 2-1 Dortmund win although they have they even scored more than one goal since the Hamburg game oh yeah the Atalanta game there, yeah, there we were was. there was three um, so Abel I guess we can knock it on the head now uh, what's your prediction right. for this game um, actually, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one because, um, you know, like seeing, seeing the recent events, I, I'm going to go with like a 1-1 draw. It's not very exciting, but, but that's, uh, I don't know. I don't really see like scoring two goals against Frankfurt who were, were tough to score against. But then, then as you mentioned, like there's probably going to be some lineup changes and, you know, um, I mean, I, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but, but I'll go with 1-1. I, I think 1-1 actually wouldn't be the worst result. I mean, obviously, but, um, if, Uh, right, right now Dortmund just have to just get what they can get, and uh, it's not going to be a lot of wins and wins and, and losing would be absolutely devastating and atrocious for this team. Yeah. So just remaining unbeaten in the Bundesliga would actually just help them to to yeah not lose too much ground uh, against their direct opponents. So um, you know as as you know unambitious it may sound i think a 1-1 draw would already be a very good result all things considered so um 
Yeah. yeah. Just put your faith in uh, Typhoon Korkut uh, beating Leipzig as he's beating the Bundesliga. That's, that's, yeah, that's but Dortmund also have to, ha- have to play against Stuttgart at some point. But um, yeah, I, I really do <laughs> do wonder what our listeners think about that, um, whether a 1-1 draw would be a good result at this given moment. So uh, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. I really do want to know if, uh, you know, this is uh, something... You know, you just need to tweak your expectations or whether Dortmund should just do better. And um, another point on on that uh, Stuttgart today, I think, said that it's not easy for the players to deal with the fact that they are unbeaten in 10 games, yet they're surrounded by overboarding criticism. And he says, you know, this could have psychological inclinations on them. Um, And there was uh, one guy, I'm afraid I don't have him right in front of me right now, but he said, but this is basically not a winning mentality and sums up quite quite well um you know how much Dortmund have plummeted I think that's a really good point but I'm also interested what listeners say on that so um yeah so much for that anyway there are still uh, Marco Royce cups to get on Patreon and um otherwise uh, you can I guess actually find Patreon content on more on a higher regularity than you can at the Yellow Wall because I actually do not want to have Patreon content for other reasons. Um, on on your is it the Talking Football or is it the Bundesliga Fanatic page where you post all your work? Um, for what Patreon or for other stuff? For the Patreon stuff. Um, no, we have one for Talking Football. All right, so yeah, if you have a, another no, dollar. um, <laughs> I I don't actually have that stuff going on there, but I uh, I do have an article that's uh, supposed to come out, I think, next week, which is actually on, on, on Dortmund under Stöger versus under Bosch. So that'll be for uh, Football Whispers, where I, where I started writing, and uh, you know, uh, I've been writing about the Bundesliga, but but not Dortmund. So uh, I'm excited to, to, to have that come out, uh, but uh, I warn people that it might not be pretty. So <laughs> Yeah, well, after listening to this <laughs> for a whole to. hour, I think they know what what's coming in so um yeah again Abel, thanks for coming on and um yeah please tell our listeners where they can find you on twitter and then we'll get the hell out of here sure yeah so i'm at the bundes pl um on twitter um and obviously um i do stuff for the bundesliga fanatic uh, there's a lot of coverage there so uh, that's where you can find you thanks thanks for having me on again stefan it's uh, always a pleasure yeah thank you for having the time you can find me at stefan butzko you can find all my written work around borussia dortmund on espn fc and if you want to subscribe to the show in any other way do that on itunes stitcher soundcloud or your favorite podcatcher you can find uh, all other yellow world pod content on yellowworldpod.com and yellow world pod is our, also our twitter and facebook handle and if you want to know a little bit more about those Marco Royce collectors stadium cups you can go on patreon.com slash the yellow wall so that's all for this week from the yellow world pods we had two episodes so you know we're we're really hanging in there so thanks again for listening everyone until next time goodbye